When we were at Redeemer Church in Mauritius, just being congregants and serving tea and coffee and, and volunteering in the church, we met an amazing family um, who happened to um, to tell us about Brad and Christy. And they're like, how can you live in Durban and you don't know Brad and Christy? And so Christy's sister, Tam, actually lives in Mauritius, and they were one of the families we connected with. And they said, listen, when you get back to Durban, you have got to connect with them. They're pastors um, at the Rock Church, and they, they're so sporty. They've got kids who are sporty. They love the ocean. You're really going to connect with them. So I got back to Durban. I made that awkward call. Hi, I met your sister in Mauritius. She said we might be good friends. Can I, can we, can we meet? <laughs> and Christy very graciously said, okay, cool, come around. And it's been great. We absolutely love you guys and we love what you're doing. Brad's a surfer. Christy's a swimmer. She's, she's one of those brave women who swim in the ocean, like, like beyond the pier, you know, like out there, like I'll paddle past people swimming and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so they're a really amazing family, and we're really blessed to have you here. Um, not only are they pastors at the Rock Church, but uh, Christy has a specialized ministry, um, which is under the banner of The Chat. And she goes into different forums, into schools, into different groups where she talks to the generations, to both children, to teenagers, to adults, about technology, about media, about health, about sexuality, and about all these different aspects that our society is really facing. And I think that's really amazing that you're doing that. And you're an author. You've written a book. Christy's brought her book along as well. So you can take a look at that after the service. So we are, we really have a, it's a privilege that she is here away from her home church to be with us guys, to share what she knows. Um, so Christy, maybe tell us a little bit about the chat and your passion to help people with regards to technology, media, social issues, etc. Thank you so much, um, Trish and Wayne, for having us. Yes, we did. We had this dinner um, randomly. We had these people we never met come and have dinner with us, and it was like we'd been friends for ages. It was just such a great night, and um, we're so excited to partner with you guys. We're so excited to be here. We've been wanting to come and visit you for so long, so thank you for having us. Um, and yeah, the chat is, it's probably about four years old now, and I won't go into all the details, but I, I basically saw the need for parents to just get some really good information um, and tools to talk about hard topics with their kids. So it's never easy for parents to talk about sexuality and some of those tricky things. Um, but I realized that parents really wanted to. They sure. really wanted to get it right. But sometimes we're just overwhelmed. We don't have time. We don't have tools. And so that's how the chat was born. And so now I, um, I realized that with these big topics, whether it's sexuality, whether it's social media, technology, um, identity, it kind of all boils down to the same stuff. Hmm. It boils down to building connection. It boils down to unconditional love. It boils down to really good, accurate, truthful information because there's so much information out there. Sure. And then it's just about actually building courage into families to tackle these things yeah. and realize that once you do, it's like, oh, that wasn't that hard. Yeah. Now we can talk about anything. And that our kids have so much information thrown at them all the time that it's more important now than ever that our home is a safe space for them to process everything that's been being yeah. given to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're also raising here is, um, you, so you've got this parent-child dynamic, but then also people who aren't parents, people who are maybe 
big brothers or mm. um, or caregivers or aunts and uncles to also have the tools because it's not always the biological nuclear family like mm. like like we see um, that's influencing um, children and and being there for each other as a community. So. Um, you know, I often talk about um, family being such a, a critical part of a, of a healthy society. You know, we, we look at all of that stuff that we see up about what's going crazy in our city, um, the drugs, the people on the streets, etc. And it comes down to the root cause of, of a breakdown in the family. Those individuals, when you speak to them, they were abused in their home environment. They were they were discarded. They they didn't fit in. They 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 were orphaned. There was a breakdown in the family structure, and so that's where family becomes so critical. And um, I think we we've got a society where it's not always you know mom, dad, and you know two and a half children living in a in a space, but you've got um, a different dynamic to family. You've Family takes on different forms and um, and structures. But in your opinion, however family is structured, how important is the family in a healthy society? It's it's critical. And as you said, family can look different. Um, I, I remember someone, a, a divorced friend of ours, going, she hated the term broken home. Because sure. she's like, a broken home needs fixing. But actually, homes can look so different. They can... Whether it's um, a granny and some children, whether it's a, a teenager um, with her siblings, it's, it, they, they can be healthy family. Sure. They can be unhealthy family with a mom, dad, and two and a half kids. Sure. It's, it's, it boils down to connection. Mm-hmm. It boils down to trust and a, a family being a safe space. It boils down to being part of a team mm-hmm. um, and, and those conversations happening regardless. So I was actually, when I wrote my book, I was so careful to say parent or caregiver. Sure. Because a caregiver is someone who's entrusted with, with children. And you can find yourself a caregiver in many different ways sure. and, and speak into the life of our children. But yeah, the family is so key. So when I so, first saw that video, um, and I thought about the chats. I mean, I, I literally, guys, I lie awake and I dream of Durban being this place of moral regeneration. Come on. Where we'll become like the city where people come and go like, how did you get all your young people to value themselves so much mm. that they, they're waiting for their spouse one day? Mm. How did you, how did you guys do that? Yeah. And so it's not only a, it, it's, it's about, it's about creating a space where children can grow up knowing that they're precious, knowing that they're unconditionally loved, that there's a purpose and a destiny on them, mm. and that everything in terms of their sexuality, um, social media, all those things, that all is part of equipping them for the person that they're going to be and how they're going to contribute to making this city beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also comes down to the adult or the, the, the person who's being um, looked to as a role model also being um, secure in their identity, not being hooked into something that's taking them down a dodgy path in life so that they can be that, um, that pillar of follow me, yeah. you know, as I'm doing life well and healthy. Um, so that's really awesome. Just, uh, just on a point on um, what we watched there about the city story, um, there is also, we, we've got to see, let, let's not miss out. I want to echo what Knox said. Let's not miss out on what God is doing in our midst. We've been doing the Love Durban series, then Shape Durban came up, and that was something that we spoke about. And then there's the City Story Initiative, and then there's all the outreaches that we've been doing. There is such... Um, God is pushing the button 
on us as every nation Durban, as he is other churches around the city and saying, now is the time. And, you know, often when something is um, brought into the light, um, it's now the opportunity where the grace of God can actually flow. You know, where there is darkness, a little bit of light is going to shine bright. And where people are looking and saying, what do we do? Well, the church is already doing You know, the body of Christ is already in operation. The NGOs and NPOs are already operating. And, um, and the city and our, our leadership are looking to us to say, how are we going to solve this? And one of the opportunities that have come out that I just found about, found out about this morning is on Thursday, there's an open invitation to the citizens of Durban to come and be at the ICC, um, with, um, the deputy mayor along with um, Raymond Perrier, who's going to f- chair the meeting, where we're going to get input from, from citizens of, of what, how are we going to sort out our city. And so that is an open invitation. If you are interested and you want to be a part of that, please come and speak to me after the service. When I got the message this morning, I said to Wayne, oh, my goodness, it's our 15-year wedding anniversary on Thursday. But please, can we go? Um, so, <laughs> so he graciously said, yes, we'll make a plan. Thank you. <laughs> I still want to go out for dinner afterwards. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about technology because technology and media it is it is um, charting a course for us as society in greater measure than we maybe are even taking cognizance of. And we've got holiday time coming up, and it's often technology and media is often the go-to. It specifically in a holiday period. At the end of the year, parents are tired or parents are wrapping up with work and children are left without much guidance or direction and are left with a tablet or a device or a phone or something because everyone's just tired. Maybe we could just talk a little bit about that. And um, I had a question around it. Right. Um, yes. What, what, are, what are we... What do we want to, um, what do we want to just share from the outset about it being the go-to? Um, and what do we do when we're feeling tired? And that is like the easiest option. That wasn't one of my questions that's that fine. I've prepped you no, for, but fine. let's I'm, throw I'm that out there. That. I think it's important to say at the outset that technology and devices are not the enemy. Yeah. They're not good. And nor all the bad. children said, Amen, hey? Amen. All the children are like, devices are not the enemy. We don't hate iPads. We don't hate phones. We love them, actually, because they're incredible tools to enhance our lives. But um, basically, it's, we can be one of two things. We can either be the slave or the master. Um, sure. So if we let our devices control us, if we give it complete freedom over us, we become the slave. And if we put good things in place and we make good choices, then we become the master. And we want to be the master because we're the one with the brain. So um, it's really important that we know that, that it's not just us um, being parents trying to make our kids' lives boring. Um, we want to raise healthy digital users. That's, sure. that's our goal. Um, because I know lots of adults who are not healthy digital users. Sure, sure. Um, a, a lot of the time, the parents are the ones who are digitally distracted. When I speak to kids at school, they always say they look at the top of their moms and dads' head sure. because their moms and dads are on their um, on their devices. I mean, the other day I was at a coffee shop and there was a teenage boy and his mom and dad and the mom and dad were on their phones. The boy was <laughs> waiting for a conversation with mom and dad. Sure. So I think we got to also be self-aware 
and we'll talk about boundaries and stuff yeah. later. But I think I think at the beginning of the holidays is a good a good time to take stock and do like a social media audit, yeah. do a digital audit. That's kind of what we're doing this morning. Sure. And go, what are some good practices we can put in place? Yeah. Because it's very easy to just binge watch Netflix or. Um, Go and, go and play um, Fortnite for four days or sure. whatever, you know, but it's not yeah. helpful. Sure. It's the easy way. Um, and um, I always say with these tough things, you can choose, and I got this from the book of Esther, I stole it, between courage and self-preservation. Self-preservation is let's do what's easiest. Is that my heartbeat? Turn in. Are we there? Are we there? Hello? 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 Are we there? Are we there? Are we good? All right. Have we got some confessions starting to come out? Okay. Um, so, how's your microphone? I think it's, is it on? Good? Yeah, on? it's okay. on. Um, so, I just put up a couple slides. Um, if we go to the second one, just in terms of the way you, you view technology. You know, some people look at technology and like, what's the big deal? You know, it just helps me be more productive. That would be Wayne. It's productive. Look at me. I've got three devices going at one time. I can multitask. I'm, I can accomplish a whole lot more. And then you've got the kids who are just like, it's fun, 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 you know? Don't take away my fun. And then you get me. It's all consuming. It's just stealing everything. And it's stealing everyone's creativity. And we need to read books. And <laughs> um, So, you know, I think it's really important to individually... See where you place yourself. Because if you understand your own worldview, then you're able to objectively um, engage in conversation. And even in your listening, you're not going to have a worldview filter. You know, I have to know about myself that I'm not technologically, tech, technologically inclined. I would much rather go for a run or read a book or, um, you know, build Lego or something. I would much rather do that than sit on a device. That's my inclination. It's got to do with, you know, my generational Staphorst 
family. I mean, even the village that my family originates from, they were like totally anti-technology. So it's like in my genes that I'm like that, okay? So I have to know about myself that I'm, I've got a different worldview. I'm wired differently. You know, when my kids are getting a total stoke out of playing a game or I'm like, really great, awesome, you won, that's amazing. But for them, it's really awesome. It's important. It's something that they value. So I have to understand their worldview. When, when Wayne is far more productive because he's not using a diary and a pen and he's using an electronic diary, it's a good thing. So we have to understand the worldview so that we don't just switch off to each other. Does that make sense? So can you kind of identify maybe where your worldview is at and then put any prejudice you might have aside so that you can hear and, and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you through our time together. All right. Um, so, so yeah, so there's loads of benefits uh, to technology as well as dangers, all right? Technology is not neutral. It's not something that we can just have this permissive, um, just open door to. It's something that we actually have to make sure we're not the slaves to. You mentioned something when we were chatting about... Um, those different containers, freedom container. Maybe you could just talk into that because um, I think that's really helpful. Uh, it was just based on um, something I listened to a while ago that said we have um, almost like a Jojo tank. We have three of those water tanks that feed into our lives to create um, a, a, an environment in our lives where we can thrive. We have our freedom tank, our meaning tank, and our community tank. And where we are as a society... 2018 Durban, our freedom tank is pretty full. Actually, in some ways, it's overflowing. We have so many choices around what we can wear, what we can eat, where we can go, we can move to other cities, we can, um, we can say what we want to say, we can, um, we just have all this freedom. We can send our kids to different schools, we can do all these different things. Um, our community tanks, are not as, as not as healthy as they once were when we lived in, in villages where, um, we had beautiful, healthy, um, tanks. Now we, a little bit, um, divided. Individualism is powerful. You do you, I'll do me. Don't tell me what to do is draining our community tank. And then our meaning tank for a lot of us is dry. Like we literally, um, getting through the day, we, we don't, we, we don't find meaning and significance in our lives. And in terms of technology, if we are gonna, um, Creates um, authentic community, which 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 social media does enhance. We can talk about that more later, and we're going to have a meaningful life. We have to rein in some of our freedom. So yes, we're free to watch whatever we want, but some of the stuff we see on YouTube is going to seriously damage your community and your meaning. Sure. It's going to, and if we're going to spend all our time alone in our homes on our devices, community disappears. And if we're just passive consumers of content and cute cat videos and and kook (laughs) slams and all those things, yes, they're fun, but they really are meaningless. They're not adding to the meaning. And and so we need to find ways that our technology enhances those three things. And often that means less freedom. So putting restrictions on ourselves and on our children so that we can all create an environment that's healthy. Yeah. And I, and I guess in creating that, that place where you're not just having this free for all, we need each other. 
We need to be watching out for each other. If we're living in the same household, we need to watch out for each other. Like, like kids, you need to be able to say, I'm, I'm listening to what my parents are saying about um, the boundaries that they're putting in place. I'm listening to um, maybe my, my brother or my sister or my auntie who's saying, hey, I think you've been on that device long enough. Or even in our, in our relationships as husband and wife or, or if you're living in a commune with other people, if somebody raises a flag, don't just be offended and push them off, but actually open up and say, okay, well, let's talk about this. Are you seeing something I'm not seeing about myself? Because we are very much living in these um, these silos where everything is the, the our phones and um, our devices are tracking us, and so they're bringing up different things that are individual. So we're becoming very individual. Um, talk about what will come up on a news feed will not necessarily be what goes onto everybody's news feed because it'll be directed towards something that I've been following and tracking in my, my digital footprint. So we've got to understand it's not neutral and we need each other as community to, to help each other. Does that make sense? Um, I, I was thinking about some of the benefits and as well as dangers. I was saying it's amazing that we have so much access to information. You know, it's, it's brilliant that we don't have to go and sit in a library and go through mounds and mounds of books to try and find information. It's, it's awesome. But then we also have this information overload where we're getting so much information that it's just, it's like, it's like binge information and then you're not actually applying anything, which then would affect, I guess, our meaning as well because of, um, the dynamics there. Um, Connection with many people, you know, you've got this many people as friends on Facebook, or you've got this many people that you're connecting with Instagram, but they're very shallow relationships, very shallow friendships and connections compared to a few deep, meaningful um, friendships. And, and the difference between mindlessness and mindfulness, where if you're just scrolling on your phone or just going from one cute video to the next and then another pop-up comes and then you're just scrolling, you get into this place of mindful, mindlessness. But actually, to be effective in life, we need to be mindful. We need to be attentive and in the moment. And our attention span is, is dropping so radically um, because of, of these, these patterns that we're tracking, um, which, is, which is quite radical. It is quite radical. I think when I speak to teenagers, I always say they, they're the guinea pig generation because we actually don't know the long-term effects of this amount of technology access on a generation. And, and the data that's coming in is not good. Sure. So um, in the States, teen suicide is up by 13%. Anxiety and depression is up by something like 20%. And there's a very strong correlation between anxiety and depression and social media because social media is this um this beautiful shiny even even gaming this beautiful shiny space which is very hard to comp- compete with in sure. real life and so um we have these young people being being shown a world that is often so much more beautiful so much more successful so much more um engaging even on youtube and than their own and um and so it's, it's leading to depression, and, and although they have so much information, they are so disorientated and confused because mm-hmm. there's often not a space to process all that information, and a lot of it is not true. Sure. And um, because our young people, um, just a little bit of brain science, their prefrontal cortex, which is this part of the brain, which is the reasonable part of the brain that, that helps us bring logic and stops us from doing crazy stuff, is only developed when you're 23 – 
the, the stuff is being said to our kids and they're absorbing it. Sure. Um, and, and so even in terms of inappropriate sexual content, they, they're seeing these things and, and their little minds are going, is this normal? Is this yeah. how things are, are? And, and then they're seeing all these perfect lives and they're going, I don't belong. I'm not good enough. My life doesn't look like this. Um, and especially when they have access at a very young age, it's a very confusing place. Sure. And so, um, yeah, so that's why it is, it is, um, the long-term con, um, consequences are, are a little bit worrying. And yeah. so as parents, um, we do need to put healthy boundaries in place because we don't want to get to 20 and um, realize that there's been all this, this damage, yeah. you know? Um, I've been doing some research on, on dopamine and how this is this chemical. I mean, for the doctors out there, you, you would be able to describe it better than, than me, but it's a neurotransmitter and it's, it, it's, the, it, it's connected to our ability to enjoy pleasure as well as sleep and mood. And as, as we're engaging with our devices all the time, it's, it's causing this dopamine um, reaction and the spike. And, and so it feels pleasurable. And at people who are actually, um, some, some guys from Silicon Valley who've been the leaders in technology development and, and the such, they, they've stepped down from their positions because they've, they feel guilty for what they are creating and not knowing the long-term ramifications of it. And some of them have stepped forward and said, we're, we're, they're actually um, designers who are looking to create more of a way in which you will get the dopamine, the, the hits, and you will, you're creating these loops in your brain um, where it's just this, you're needing to go back. You're needing to go back. That's why you keep wanting to scroll further. And even the way, like a scrolling um, mechanism on the phone is designed. It's there so that it's easy, and it's it's almost like it's a behavioral reaction. I mean, people were talking about how when they catch themselves doing that, they have to have a completely opposite reaction. It's like, okay, now I've become aware that I've just been scrolling down um, on Facebook or on Instagram for 15 minutes. I've just lost this time. I've just been mindlessly stuck in there okay, now I have to do a behavioral change of turning my phone upside down and pushing it away because actually my, my body is starting to be conditioned to just swiping and going for more and more. So there are, there are people who are designing devices in a way that will keep us addictively hooked in the same way that when, when you're in a, a casino and there's a slot machine, um, there's a connection between how your brain is reacting to the enticement of maybe I will get three, you know, little cherries in a row and then I will get a prize for it. And I don't know if that prize will be very high or if it will be very low. And I don't know when it might happen, but if I keep pulling the lever, I might, I might get it. I might get it. They even changed that in Las Vegas from being a pull handle to being a tap button. So they, they strategically design these things so that it's easier and it keeps you more hooked. And that's what's happening with our devices. It's exactly the same concept that you, you're looking for this dopamine fix of maybe, you know, when you, when you see a little, um, a little number on your messenger or your Instagram to say that there's a notification, it's actually releasing that same chemical that you do with gambling that maybe I'm going to get a great message. Maybe that person's going to have responded. Maybe I'm going to get that interview. Maybe um, 
that person that I was hoping would reply to that SMS is going to reply. So it's creating the same patterns in our brains as that of gambling. And, um, and we've got to be mindful of these things. We've got to know what's taking place. Otherwise, we're just blindly following and going down a path. Um, yeah, that's so good. It is that dopamine thing is very real. And the thing is, dopamine is also released when we, when we in, in normal everyday life, sports, hanging out with friends, going shopping, laughing. There's lots of beautiful natural ways um, that our body releases dopamine. But the thing is, with um, with technology, they are not this normal, gradual, healthy release. They spikes. So it's so we've got to constantly keep our brains and our children's brains. Um, filling up on dopamine in healthy, normal ways as well. And then the other thing that especially um, video games are designed around is this thing called the mastery curve, which we as human beings, we design to to work hard at something and achieve it. And then once we've achieved it, we often will think, okay, what can I do next? That's what education is based on. That's what promotion and work is based on, all those things. And video games, I mean, if you've played Candy Crush or one of those games, you'll know. You finish that level and you're like, I want to see if I can do the next one. I, I, I completely nailed it. Let me see if I can do the next so one. it's the mastery curve. Yeah, That's so it's really this mastery curve. It's like this thing of it's hard, I achieve it. It's hard, I achieve it. And, um, I mean, games like Fortnite and a lot of those games, they are completely on the mastery curve where you get higher and higher and higher and you beat other people. And, mm-hmm. and it's feeding into our, our meaning tank. It's like, sure. I'm I'm good at this, I'm significant, um, I have a skill, I'm achieving. So, I mean, yeah, these guys in Silicon Valley are not, they're not just sitting around. They are, they are doing scientific research. Yeah. Um, and they want you on your device as long as possible. They want you on de- your device. Um, and even um, videos with explicit content are designed to, to completely spike dopamine in your brain so that you will hunger for it and come back for more and you'll get, right. and you'll get hooked. And they also, they also aiming them at children so that they can get, if you can get your children addicted, it's very hard to break addiction later, later in life. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's making it sound really scary, but it's, yeah. it's part of being equipped as a parent to know that it's, there are these dangers. So yeah. what can I do to, to make it a healthy space for my children? Yeah. Absolutely. Because we don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. We don't want to go, oh my gosh, there are all these dangers with technology. No one's allowed phones. No one's allowed tablets. But we actually, we can be the masters. And, you know, as I was praying about this, um, I just felt like God saying, you know, just tell my people that if they're struggling, there's solutions, there are answers, but 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 also warn people that they, some of them are walking blindly, just sucked into a, a technological um, trap that's going to lead them off the edge of a cliff. So this isn't about doom and gloom. This is really about, hey, let's be alert, let's be attentive, let's be aware, because we want to be people of influence, we want to be people of meaning, we want to be people who are making a difference in the world. But if we're so cluttered and if we're so... Um, just following blindly a certain track, we're going to miss out on, on what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And I think just in terms of the connection before we move on, I think two of the main things we need to be aware of um, in terms of our children being specifically connected to the internet is that um, this thing of constant connection. So so, for example, let's, let's use an example of a child being bullied at school. So say they have a phone, they're bullied at school, they come home, they can be bullied on social media by the same kid. 
um, and then and they constantly connected to the world. They don't have time where they completely disconnect from whatever pressures they have at school. So maybe it's even academic pressure. So they come home and they're on their WhatsApps and someone's going, what, did, what, did you, what mark did you get for that test? What have you done for that project? They're constantly connected, but, but our brains really, really need respite from the world so that, they can, so that our brains can regroup, so we can think about what our opinions are, mm. so we can get creative, so that we can get brave, mm. so that our parents and our caregivers can speak life into us. Mm. And then the next day that we can go to school and, and face the world again. But when our kids have phones, that never happens. Sure. So we've got to be so aware of that constant connection. And then also, obviously, the worldwide connection. Um, when our children are, um, are not monitored on their devices and we don't take proactive um, steps to put um, things in place, they're being exposed to things they are not ready to face. Sure. Um, I mean, worst case scenario is explicit videos and things like that. But, but even... Um, some of the apps like Musical.ly, they have hashtag self-harm. They have hashtag pro-anorexia. They have mm. hashtag suicide. And so our children are being exposed to things at the age of 9, 10, 11 that they can't process. And, and sometimes we're not even aware because it's, it's not like it's on the family TV completely. or something. It's there just between them and their device. Yeah. And we're, we're not necessarily in that world. Completely. Yeah. yeah. And so um, someone said once that... Um, they were talking about how you can make accounts private. So Instagram, you can make your account private so that people have to ask permission to follow you. But I think one of the, the greatest misconceptions in terms of parenting is we're so worried about who's looking at our kids, which is a good concern mm. um, with human trafficking and all that, but we don't take enough cognizance of who our kids are seeing. Sure. So making your account private, someone said, it's like taking your child and putting them on that corner in Point Road and making them invisible. Sure. So no, no one can traffic them or sell them drugs or, or whatever, but they can see everything. Yes. So we're hoping they're surrounded by um, the Nelson Mandela's of the world sure. or the Mother Teresa's or all these inspiring people. But the chances are there's drug addicts, there's prostitutes, um, there's terrible language, mm. um, there's, there's suggestive content. So they, their eyes are wide open to all of this. So and they're is, just absorbing they're it They're just all. absorbing it and not and having no idea how to process it because their minds are not ready for it. Ready for it. And sure. interestingly, I was speaking to some high school girls the other day and they were asking me what age I would give my children phones. And actually they said to me, my daughter's 11, has she got a phone? And I said, no, not yet. And so I said to them, do you think I should give her a phone? They're like, never. Sure. And these are teenagers. And they said, some of them said, I wish my mom had not given me a phone. Wow. Because of the stuff that they had seen and heard that they wished they hadn't. And they were, they were probably really... nagging when they were totally. 10, 11. They were oh, totally pressurizing. Why totally. Why can't I have one? But they can't understand. But in hindsight, as they're getting older, they're going, I wish my I wish parents I hadn't had one. Yeah. Yeah. Had been more boundary yeah. And these are grade 11, grade 10 girls. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because we ran a parenting course here and the, the man who, who led it, he said the same thing. His son works with college students. Um, so now that's even older. And they were saying, in hindsight, they wish their parents had have been stronger and more attentive and more on the ball with technological stuff. Um, because now they're looking back and they're saying, Wow, we were just given way too much freedom. So that's why I say they're the guinea pigs. We're trying to figure it out as parents as we go. And and you know, you're talking about that needing to switch off. I think as adults, we need that as well. You know, we we go to work, but then work follows us home. You know, it follows us home with messages coming through. I mean, sometimes I'm getting calls from call centers. 
you know, trying to sell products at 8 p.m. at night. And I'm like, do me a favor. Like, I actually just want to be alone with my family. I don't want to, you know, tell you I don't want to buy your product. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a household where we were not allowed to phone other people after 8 p.m. at night. It was like, you don't do that. Now you've got everybody's in their own rooms. They're communicating. They're talking. They're catching up on Instagram and WhatsApp. And there's all this communication going on that's like outside of boundaries, even for us as adults. Um, I was I was also just thinking about like bosses, you know, getting hold of people after hours. Um, you know, don't forget that's got to be in. Or you know, we've got this meeting. Or, or congregants getting hold of pastors, you know, when it's not a crisis, <laughs> but just this is now your moment. You know, we've, we've got to become a society that actually puts up a bit of a, a flag and says, hang on, we need some, we need some boundaries. Um, there was an amazing, uh, uh, Dr. Arch Hart. He's a psychologist. Um, and, and he spent some time with Wayne and I. He's amazing. And he said, um, when he came home from work, he had this imagery of the king coming home to his castle and the drawbridge goes up and no one gets in and no one goes out and it's time to just be alone as a family and have that boundary. And, um, and I thought that was a really good analogy. Like we've actually got to, you know, put the phones away, put the devices away and just be connected to each other in, in our own space. Okay. So I've like jumped all over the place. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Maybe we could talk a little bit about, well, maybe I could do this. Does anybody have any questions? Like anybody like, hey, I'd, I'd love to just throw this into the conversation right now. I know all our children, a whole bunch of them, you know, ran out the room at <laughs> the moment they got the opportunity. Go for it. Nice and loud. That's so good. That's why we have to be so aware of what content our children are viewing, because it's either building them or it's breaking them down. And so, whatever we're giving them access to is parenting them. It is it is shaping their identities, Mm. um, and and how they see the world and how they see the future. And interestingly, um, like twelve to fourteen is when we we mostly shape our character. And that is when our children are having the most unpre- like unrestricted access and it's, it's kind of defining who they are. And so we've got to be so careful about that. Because yeah. um, often they're creating a persona online that is not them. Sure. And, um, and often part of the addiction is the addiction to the, the, that self sure. and the likes that that person gets and how they are, how they perceived and the beautiful selfie that they've put on and how everyone likes them. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, and even that is parenting them in a way, um, because, because social media is incredibly narcissistic. Okay. Social media is about me. And I, and I saw this interesting statistic the other day that when we have a, a face-to-face conversation, like if Trish and I had coffee... 40 to 50% of what I would say would be about me. 
So 50 to 60% would be about her, about her family, about my family, about other things. On social media, 80 to 90% of what we say is about ourselves. Wow. So we, we are actually raising quite self-censored children when they're spending a lot of time on social media. And actually, they're pretty anxious because when you look at the, the research, the reason they asked this group of teenagers was a CNN documentary, why do you check your phone? There were three main reasons. It was like... Um, pretty evenly spaced percentage-wise. Number one, to see what my friends are doing without me. Wow. Number two, to see how many people have liked or followed me. And, and number three, um, to see what I'm, um, to make, to make sure no one's saying anything bad about me. Wow. And so there's no positive reasons in there. There's yeah. no like, I've gone online to see, um, what new board my friend bought this week and or where I can, where I can, like, I, there's nothing inspirational there. Sure. It's like, it's all ang- it's anxiety. and anxiety. Yeah, and trying to, um, trying to make sure that I, that I manage my image. Sure. Do you know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. It, that's, that's really radical because, you know, we also, we're wanting to, we want to raise up a next generation who knows God totally. and wants to be able to do great things with their life. But if they're so focused on me, myself, and I, mm. there's no God space. Yeah. There's no, it's, it's actually that hedonism yeah. um, and that self-worship yeah. in a way. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like epidemic because you go anywhere and it's just like, these pouts, these, the, the body pose, the, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, we always do it. We like, okay, let's take a selfie together. Okay, no, no, that one was horrible. Let's take yeah. another one. Like, you got to get the right to turn your head. I don't want a double chin. Um, <laughs> can we all get in the picture? Um, yeah. and, and it's nice to have the memories. Yeah. But how often are we actually even going back and looking at the memory? Yeah. It's actually more about putting up, this is where I was. This is what I was doing. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. Accept me. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's very true. And maybe just to redeem Instagram a little bit because we're slamming it so much. It's also um, Instagram, all those things, they are a way of that, that this generation. So a question I've been asking a lot in the last few months as I've spent time with teens is this one question of, is it okay to be friends with someone online that you've never met face to face? Because pretty much every mom will go, no, like never. That's crazy. It might be a 40 year old human trafficker from China. And you think it's a a cute eight year old from the school down the road and don't do it. And then the more I ask these teens, the more I realize it's, it's quite unrealistic for us to say that because social media is becoming a place where, where kids make friends. Right. And I think, key for us as parents is that that we teach our kids that social media enhances friendship, but it can't be the foundation of friendship. Right. And so, and a lot of these young people were saying, often they'll, it'll be a friend of a friend, and they'll make friends on Instagram, and then they'll meet, mm-hmm. like, um, at a party or whatever, and they've got all this stuff to base their conversations on. So right. it's like, oh, I saw you you are also friends with this person or you've also been to, you also went to, I don't know, the Jeremy Loops concert. Or sure. So this, this one girl was saying, I would not know how to start a conversation if I hadn't been on friends with them on Instagram right. before. So the way we relate as humans is changing sure. and we can't slam it completely. We've sure. just got to help our kids navigate it because that thing of social media, you totally put your best foot forward. You can, even on WhatsApp, mm. you can delete, retype, delete, retype, delete, retype until you've said the perfect response. 
And so we've got to raise kids who can talk face to face. Sure. Um, and engage on social media. And engage on social media and then maybe help them process tone, mm-hmm. all those things. I mean, I was reading something this morning and this girl was saying her mom won't let her get a phone because they've got a home phone. And she says, talking on the phone is just awkward. And I was like, Wow. Like they, these, this generation don't know how to talk on the phone. Sure, sure. It's so interesting. And let alone face to face. Face to face. And a lot of these teenagers, I say to them, would you ask a girl out face to face? They're like, ish. <laughs> and then the next one, even worse, would you break up with someone face to face? Yeah. Never. Right. Never. Couldn't do it. So you've got this safety device yes. called the phone. <laughs> yeah. And as parents, we have to, because one day they may, might be the CEO of a big company and they have to fire someone. Mm. Like breaking up with a girl face to face is a tra- is training ground for one day when you have to fire someone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's navigating awkward, hard conversations and looking at someone in the, in the face as they start to cry. Yeah. And Going, okay, what do I do? Sure. What do I do with this? What do I do with this person? How do I navigate it? Yeah. And if we're only ever doing it on social media, we don't know how to do that stuff. Sure. So it's really important that we, we help our kids in all the spheres. So we've got to give them the space to be doing it on both. And yeah. I think we can take that into the adult world as well because it's a lot easier to communicate your feelings through a text message um, than it is to look the person in the face and say, I was really angry at you when, when this happened or, and that's why things go viral and people make these comments that they then regret later because they just had this rant on social media. Um, but I mean, I was just thinking about it as an adult, like I've met people through WhatsApp groups before I've met them in person. And then it's actually been like funny. Yeah. We were WhatsApp friends before we actually even sat down and, um, but, but as an adult, I'm coming from a place where I know how to have a conversation. And so it is tricky with kids that we're teaching them and giving them opportunities. Um, the, the number of times I've had to force my boys to pick up the phone and make the phone call. Don't just ask mom to do it. You, you phone and you find out what you were wanting to find out or to order something, etc. Really important life skills. Right? Life skills. Yeah. yeah. So important. So good. Um, yeah. Um, and I think also as, as adults, when we look at someone's Instagram, we kind of know that it's their best version of their life. Yeah. But, but as a, as a nine year old, 10 year old, no prefrontal cortex, you don't, they, they take much more of that in. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get sad when, like if, if Sarah and our best friends, when I, I saw a photo of them out to dinner and they hadn't invited me, yeah. I'm 43. It would take me time to process those feelings of like, why didn't they invite me? Don't they like me? What have I done wrong? <laughs> Why'd <laughs> what you did do that, do? Sarah? <laughs> but meanwhile, maybe they all just bumped into each other at Gateway and had a, had a, like, had a pizza, you know? But if you're nine, yeah. and you're spending all weekend long scrolling through Instagram photos of some girl's birthday party that you thought you were friends with, yeah. that negative self-talk of, I don't belong, I'm not good enough, yeah. I don't have any friends, I'm on the outside, can very easily become the inner voice, sure, which can carry to adulthood. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just going back to, to the God side is like, we want to be able to hear the inner voice of the Holy Spirit totally. saying you're, you're loved, you're valued, you're important. But if that inner voice that's being shaped negatively is louder because it's the thing we're giving ourselves most to, then we're not going to be able to hear the father and his exactly. affirmation. And then how does that shape us? As a society moving yeah. forward, you know, yeah. and as the church. 
Yeah, it's crazy. That's so good. And I think that um, maybe in terms, in terms of some of the practical stuff we can do, one of the things we can do with our children is to keep their world small as long as possible. Because our children are designed to grow up in a small environment, which is made up of family, church, friends, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so adding in like all these people um, in an online digital world can make it a very loud place to be. And so when their world is small, they come home. And I don't know about your kids, but my kids don't come and walk in the door and go, this terrible thing happened today, unless it's really terrible. But often after some quiet time, maybe at the table or with Brad kicking a soccer ball in the garden, stuff starts to come out and they get to to actually speak to you about what's happening in their lives. But if they're on their devices, those kinds of spaces are not created. And we don't have... um, space to talk into their lives. For me, such a good analogy is we, our family was obsessed with the World Cup. Okay. Okay. We were all, by the end, we were all France because some other guys got eliminated along the way. Okay. But, um, but in those soccer matches, we watch, I think we watch, Brad, did we watch every game? Like probably every game, Bob, maybe two. Like our kids stayed up way too late. We had way too much screen time. It was just. It was awesome. But we were, we were obsessed. It was awesome. There was like tables, like lists, and it was that was great fun. That was a great example of like actual media being a family thing, you know. Sure. But but when we watched those games in our lounge, there was so much noise. Everyone was shouting at the ref or shouting at the players or cheering, and like I love information. So all I want to do is I want to hear the I want to hear the commentator. Sure. Because he's the one who knows what's going on. My yeah. nine-year-old twins, they've got their opinions, but they. Yeah. They really are opinions. They are opinions. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and Brad knows way more than the rest. Way more, <laughs> always, way more. And I was like, this is such a great analogy of what social media is in our lives. Like, there's all these voices shouting, yeah, at us all the time. And I think of like the the commentator as maybe the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can't even hear him sure. because of all the other noise. Sure, sure. So when we make our kids' world smaller again, and when we create, my friend's got this thing called digital sunsets. Okay. She says when the sun goes down, the devices go um, away. Wow, because that's often when they come out. That's often when they come out. You know. And like obviously winter's kinder than summer because <laughs> anyway, no, it's the other way around. But anyway. But other people have, like, you have no cell phones in the car. Other people, friends, have, like, an hour a day where everything's switched off. Yeah. Um, when you do that, you and actually, I mean, how many of us, when we're having our quiet time with Jesus, our phone makes a noise? And we look. We look. Yeah. It's distracting us. So when we put these things in place where our phones are off or yeah. away, I mean, we have, um, I heard of this guy who, um, they lead a church in London, and he, he challenged especially the millennials mm. to every day spend half an hour with Jesus um, on one side of the house and put their phone on the complete opposite side of the house. Wow, because it's and, that tempting. Yeah, and he said the change in their church was phenomenal. Wow. Because the enemy wants to distract us from time with Jesus. Yeah. He, he does. And and phones are just like so easy. They, he wants to distract our kids. And yeah. I mean, if you can't take our salvation, you'll take our inheritance. Sure. And inheritance, sure. and we can only hear what God wants us to do with our lives when we spend time with them. Absolutely. And, I, and as I said, devices are not evil, but that is an amazing tool to keep us distracted from our inheritance. Absolutely. And from a purpose-driven and even, destiny-filled even life. As, as a community, as a church community, you know, like, to be honest, guys, I will see so many of us on our phones in the fellowship area. 
You know, where we're meant to be fellowshipping yeah. with each other. We're meant to be talking. We're meant to be catching up. We're meant to be having a cup of coffee and praying for each other. And so many of us, we go to our safe place. We go to, because maybe it's a bit awkward because you don't know people that well or, or the children after church or even before church at one stage. It was just they were all around somebody's phone or someone's device. But this is our community tank. This is our one time in the week where we come together as a collective to actually look at each other and to get to know each other. And, and I would love to see us as a device-free fellowship area. <laughs> I would, I'd seriously, I like, I would love to see that where we're actually more interested in each other than people who aren't in the room with us and that our children after church aren't going huddling around someone's game, but they're actually talking with the adults and the adults are talking with them or how was children's church today? And let's, let's build and let's be and build the community that we want to see. Yeah. yeah Cause often our destiny is stum- a part of our destiny stumbled upon through a conversation after church sure. or meaning or encouragement or whatever. Like there's, there's not often a flashing light saying, this is what I want you to do with my life, my son. It's often someone's, I mean, even the chat was, yeah. was like that. Wow. Um, it was just a conversation, you know, and if I'd been on my phone when that woman had asked that question and I hadn't heard it, mm. I wouldn't be doing what I did today, Wow! you know? And so like, connection and communication it's huge. and it does, it fills our tank and, and church, I mean, meaning and community are huge here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and even the thing with, with, um, I don't like my kids around other kids devices either because we don't know that's the thing about community, right? Yeah. We don't know we can have our rules and may, maybe that's, um, I can just talk about this quickly as we need to equip our kids to talk to us and about what to do when things go wrong. Yeah. Because things go wrong online. Bullying happens. They are little, so they make, they make mistakes. They're your ten tips. Um, they, they say things, I mean, like we say things that are awkward, but kids who are nine or ten, they say things that they regret. Um, and, but most of all, like what, what, what really shocked me as well when I was with some teenagers last week, is I said to them, if you saw something explicit content video online, would you tell your parents? They were all like, never, ever. Sure. And I, my heart just sank. And I was like, well, why? Because who's going to help you? Because the thing about the addictive nature of that is it can take you down a very deep, dark hole. Sure. And they said, number one, they would take our devices away. Sure. Number two, they would make me leave that WhatsApp group. Number three, they would kill me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No safe place <laughs> to actually work through yeah. A problem. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there with these teenagers going, I can tell them, like, if you see something online, go, st- I mean, when I do it with little kids, I get the fastest kid to stand on. I say, who's the fastest boy in the school? And then there's some debate. Come up with a boy. I get him to stand over there and I give him my phone and I say, okay, pretend you've seen something online that is bad, that's made you feel uncomfortable or dirty or scared. I want you to drop that phone and I want, don't drop my phone on break it though. <laughs> I say, you, so I always give them three steps. Switch it off. Put it down, go to an adult. Sure. Like those are my three, and I drill them into these kids. But but what if they run to that adult, that adult goes, that's disgusting, you're revolting for looking at that, I can't believe you, you're such a disappointment. Yeah. They're never going to tell you again. Give me your phone, you obviously can't have this. Give me my phone, yeah. 
we've got, I mean, obviously consequence. Con- we've got to teach our kids about consequence. So if they were the one bullying or they were the one who sent a photo, a, a, an inappropriate photo, there's obviously consequences. Yeah. But unconditional love and a safe space where they can talk about it. Yeah. Because they need to process what they've seen sure. and what's happened. Sure. Because we, we, we need to provide scaffolding for them to one day be a person who manages their own device, you know? So it's really important. Um, And I've sat with a number of families who've done this and done it well, Mm -hmm. where they've come out the other other side and their families are stronger. Yeah. And they're much more open, they're much more connected because adversity can actually be a place for building. For building. Yeah. Yeah. So really important. And for building that community. Definitely. Yeah, that connection with your with your family. So do you want to just quickly take us through your ten tips? Do you have them printed on my side? Look at that. No, yeah, I put the ten (laughs) tips there, and then I put the okay. So the um, digital contract. So we've done number two. The second, the first one, be informed and be wise. This is really important because a lot of parents say to me, "I have no idea about social media." They're like overwhelmed. They're confused. Sure. But as a parent, if your child has an app on their phone or on their device, you need to know what it is. You need to know what they can access. You need, to, If they're on Instagram, especially when they're younger, you need to be on Instagram with them. You need to be able to pick up their device anytime and, and not behind their back. You need to say to your kids, this is my device. I'm probably paying for it. Sure. Um, I can look at it whenever I want. And actually, if, your kids, if you say to your child, if you're deleting something, there's a problem there. Mm. You're in trouble and we need to talk about it. If your kids are playing Fortnite or games like that, you actually need to play a couple rounds with them. You need to keep up to date with what's going on. Um, and so that you can, so that you can say to them, you can play two rounds or yeah. you can, you need to do this. You cannot buy this so that you, you know what's going on. We can't just say I'm from a different generation and I don't know. That's sure. not, that's not parenting. That's opting out. Sure. Sure. Um, so we actually do need to know what's going on with our kids. Scaffolding, um, we spoke about, um, let our kids get bored. I, I spoke about this briefly, but this is super important in the holidays. So here's your strategy is when your kids come to you and they say, I'm bored, you go, oh, okay. Thanks for letting me know. Have fun and walk away. <laughs> That's what you do. Like give them some device time. What you do with your family is up to you. Most of the research says one hour a day is a good amount for a, a teen or tween. Um, but let them get bored because the research, the research shows the connection between boredom and creativity is, is crazy amazing. Yeah. So you just take a kid to a farm and you just sit them down. Well, not sit them down. Just go, go for it. Have fun. It'll take them a while. They'll be like, I don't know what to do. Like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. And then within half an hour, maybe an hour, they will be building a fort. They will be playing a game they will have found some friends and they'll be playing soccer yeah but we need to let our kids get bored because i mean i say to the teenagers all the time if you don't get bored you're robbing us of so much creativity as a nation and as a city mm. you may have the you may have so many solutions and gifts locked up in you and because you're on your device i'm not going to get to benefit from them absolutely <laughs> and so, so we need to train and even ourselves i mean i do this from time to time especially if I'm, if I'm waiting for a meeting or something, is I deliberately don't look at my phone. And sometimes people come up to you and go, are you okay? Like there's this freak, freaky woman <laughs> sitting in a coffee shop drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> just She's like weird. Sitting. She's just sitting. She's not on a phone. She's not on a phone. There's no one with her. Like we've got to give ourselves opportunity to get bored. Sure. And that's when I, you come up with such great ideas and um, such... Yeah. And actually just your brain just gets to like rest, rest. And cause we, we can't come up with our own thoughts if 
other thoughts are getting put in. So yeah. get bored in the holidays, all yeah. of us. Um, strategies, help them navigate the bad stuff. Um, so this is important because things do go wrong. We know even on our own groups. Yeah. Um, I had a group a little while ago, Sarah and I, actually, I don't know if you were on that one. Were you on it? I had a swim group. Um, it was just basically we're swimming from bike and bean at this time on this day. And, and the one day, I was actually driving home from the coast and my kids were in the car and Emily had been looking at my phone and I told her to put it down and, um, and then the next minute I, I look at it when I come up the off ramp and I'm at the traffic lights, there's like 40 messages on the swim group. And for a, for a WhatsApp group where the average age is like 40 or whatever, 40, 40 messages is like a lot. A lot. That's a it's lot. like a lot. Yeah. When, I, when I tell that to like kids, they're like, ah, oh, you're so funny. Like 40 <laughs> messages is just us saying hi before we start chatting. Um, <laughs> And, and then, um, so I, I open this, I open this message up to see what, what it is. And there's a pornographic picture on our swim group. <laughs> and I'm like, what just happened? So I scroll to get it off my screen and underneath this guy, who's just like a normal member of a community who you would see as a businessman, he goes, oops, wrong group. Wow. So there was a right group. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently there's a right group, which worries me. Yeah. So I had to navigate that moment because because the reality is we don't want to raise judgmental children. Sure. We want to raise loving children and we want to be loving people who lead by example and lead godly lives that are full of salt and light. Sure. So I can't come in hot there and go, this is disgusting, how shameful, you should be ashamed of yourself. Read these scriptures about objectification and lust. <laughs> you know, like that's not helpful. Sure. So I, I fortunately had between that traffic lights and my home to calm myself because not only was I disgusted, I was furious because my daughter had had my phone yeah. five minutes before. So there was sure. this mom anger. Sure. Like that someone's nearly harmed my child. And so when I got home, I just, I just put a message on the group going, Guys, I, I love to swim with you. Um, I really want to keep in touch because I really enjoy what, you know, going for swims and stuff. But I, I know the damage that this kind of thing does to families. I can't expose myself or my family to it. And Christy has left the group. Wow. So I left the group. And so okay. we need to tell our kids that they can leave groups. Yeah. They don't need okay. to follow their friends on Instagram if their friends are not inspiring. Sure. And they are, and we need to do the same. If, I mean, if our friends are, are running down the government or complaining about the crime and just yeah. like whinging. Yeah. We shouldn't be following them either. We should That's be following right. people who are full of hope and Absolutely. those kinds of Come things, on. you know? There we go. Um, yeah, so, so equip them when things go wrong. Um, if they, if something happens and their, their friend group are doing something that they know is wrong, mm. equip them with courage to do something different, sure. even if it's hard and give them strategies. So maybe you have a little icon that they can send to you on their phone if something's going down somewhere and they need to get out of it. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's about connection and about conversation and about communication. And we need to be talking to our kids um, about what they can come across. That's, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote this book, which is basically about um, talking to your kids about sex, and the one that I'm busy with now, which is, which is called Well Connected, to help them 
with their digital space yeah. is because we actually just need to start conversations with our kids. And sometimes you need a tool to do that. A tool is really so helpful. So much easier, like really, to really it together or to give it to them yeah. to read, and then there's a basis for conversation. Exactly. And you've brought some of these books. I have brought so some of them, so they're there. And I, and I think what I've realized with the book is sometimes when you when you start one hard conversation, yeah. it leads on to other ones, and our kids are like, oh, my mom will talk to me about sex. Oh, okay, yeah. maybe she'll talk to me about this. Yeah. And if our kids have access to the internet, we have to talk to them about sex. Yeah. Because they're going to come across it, and you need to tell them what to do when things go down and when things go wrong. And they need to have the beautiful, healthy version because the average age that our children in South Africa are exposed to the, the unhealthy version of sexuality is 11. 11. 11. Wow. So for 11-year-old to see distorted ugly images of sexuality as their first exposure yeah. does a lot of damage. But when they've got a beautiful, healthy version yeah. um, that their mom and dad have told them about, that God has given us this gift to share between a man and woman in marriage and that it's beautiful and that it, it creates new life and it brings intimacy yeah. and that you can save this gift for your spouse one day and yeah. and that it's, that it's not like the shameful thing. Then when they come across the shameful part... They can go, wait a minute. That's not the real deal. This is not the real deal. My mom yeah. and dad or my granny or my big, sister. my big sister or my caregiver, she told me what this is about. And this is this does not measure up with yeah. what I know to be true. Come on. So, so we need to have those conversations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those build connections. Um, how, teach them that happiness isn't everything. This is really key because social media tells us that the goal is happiness. Yeah. The goal is the, the beautiful house, the beautiful holiday to be smiling and perfectly dressed every day of the week. Yeah. Um, and that is what, that is the lie that's being told to our kids. And when we pursue happiness, it's a cycle of brief happiness and disappointments. And actually that's what leads to anxiety and depression sure. because we realize that happiness cannot be a constant state of being. Yeah. So we need to raise kids that, that pursue purpose. And they understand the ebbs and flows they, of they life. They understand that. Yeah. yeah. And that they realize that life is about serving and giving and purpose and meaning and that they can use their social media for those things. It was sure. so interesting. I've got a friend who's an illustrator, and she said she loves her Instagram because she doesn't follow anyone except artists. Oh, wow. And so she's filling her meaning yeah. through her social media. But, but when we teach our kids to pursue purpose, yeah. to serve and to love and to give, what is the byproduct of that? Yeah. Joy. Joy. And joy is a sustainable emotion because it's from here and it's from God. Mm. And so we need them to pursue joy. And then maybe just to finish, that last one is the hardest one. Yeah. Because we need to lead by example um, with, our, with our kids. Um, uh, yeah, so we need to show our kids what healthy use of social media looks like. So if our teens are on social media, I think it's a great idea to put all your social media on the table once or twice a month or once a week. And everyone can look through everyone's and you can have conversations. Wow. That you are leading by example. That there's no terms, like my media yeah. is hidden because I'm the adult and yeah. I don't want you to see the things that I've got happening. Exactly. And yeah. are, are there, I mean, obviously, like I, I was saying to Trish in ministry, my WhatsApp I don't share with my kids because there's, there's private confidential conversations that I as an adult have with people that they don't need. They're not ready for it. It's not. Sure. And also because as a pastor, you've, yes. you've got people's lives yeah. that are disclosed. But in terms of like Instagram and all those things. And I, I mean, one of the things I say all the time is one of the healthy practices There's a couple of things you can put in place in your home straight away when you go home. Make sure your parental controls are on. Do not, please, please, please don't let your kids use their devices in their bedrooms. Every single thing that's gone down that I've 
Well, not every single, let me not exaggerate, but so much goes down in the dark, alone in your bedroom without anyone watching. Yeah. So imagine a little boy at school says to your, says to your um, son, you must go and type in what is da 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 da. Use your imagination. You're not going to do that at, at, in the lounge with your mom. Yeah. But if you're alone in your bedroom, you might. Yeah. And so a lot of kids stumble upon stuff or they're just not ready for that responsibility of having it on their own, you know? Yeah. And never mind it's bad for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, devices should be plugged in whatever time you decide in your home. That they off, yeah. Plug them in. They never go into bedrooms. Um, they're in communal areas. All those healthy things... Um, Obviously, we, we say to our kids, if they do have access during the week, your homework, your chores, your packing for the next day, everything must be done before you even think about asking us any questions about devices. Get your life in order. Get organized. Yeah. Don't go to the, the device first and then be in a rush and delaying everything totally. and disorganized because yeah. you had to do that yeah. thing on the device. So let it supplement our lives and complement our lives and be something that's that's adding to our lives, yeah. um, and then obviously have device-free time. Like what that looks like as your family, you figure out. But I think church, <laughs> I think the dinner table for sure. Yeah. Um, research shows that if you have one meal around the table a day with your family, your children are way more likely to do better in school, yeah. to not do drugs, to not um, do other risky behaviors because... You're connecting with them. And they're filling their tank with the good stuff. And they belong. And they belong. This is my tribe. This is where I belong and this is my safe place. So those are just some very practical things. And then you've also designed a digital user contract, which I thought was absolutely amazing um, for for a parent and a child to go through, agree to, and to actually sign. And keep as, right, we're going to have devices in this home, but this is the boundary um, that we're going to operate on. Definitely. Yeah. I just, I just did that. I said to people, you can use it as is. You can use it as a conversation. You can do it. But don't you find it so much easier with, with rules in your home if you set the rules first? Yeah. Rather than going, I told you to get off that iPad 10 minutes ago. You, you're supposed to be off it. I think it's been this long where you, if you've got a, you've got a, a contract that says you're, you're allowed access to your device 20 minutes on a weekday one hour at the weekend yeah then it's like remember what we said we all yeah. agreed it was realistic set the boundary beforehand it minimizes so many arguments yeah. and so many frustrations in the home if we agree to something beforehand because there's a lot of arguments and fighting that's going on in homes around devices Definitely. between spouses between parents yeah. and children yeah. because it's just a yeah. place of and one of the ones i put in because there's a whole bunch for the kids and then there's like a few for us and one of the ones I put it for us is, as a parent, I promise that when you want to talk to me, I will put down my phone and I will look at you. Wow, that's good. And I think, that's because really our good. kids are not going to care that we were on WhatsApp organizing their school life or um, someone's dropped out of the worship team or, yeah. they're not going to care. They're going to care that they stared at the top of my head when they were trying to talk to me. And sure. I felt that my phone was more important than them. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what they're going to remember. And you, you're actually engaging with these children yeah. in schools and stuff. So this isn't just your mom view. This is actually what you're hearing yeah. from, from our generation that's yeah. coming up. So I printed a whole lot of these. If you want one of them, you're more than welcome to take it. It's on the table. But I think it would be really good, even if you're not in, as a you know a parent child, but maybe as a spouse. You know, let's let's have some governance around our our, techni- uh, our use of technology. Cool. I think there's one last picture that I just wanted to oh, yeah. show, and then we can wrap it up. Tell us about this picture, Christy. 
I love this picture. picture. Can everyone see the granny? You just have to look at the granny. So for me, I, I, so I say this to you guys, let's be the granny this holiday. Like let's, let's be, let's be present. She's present. She's like taking it all in. So yes, when we're at the beach with our kids, we can snap a few photos to send, but let's look at them catching that wave on their boogie board. Let's laugh with them. Let's build that sandcastle. Let them bury you in the sand. Like, let's be there. Let's, let's create those moments with our kids rather than trying to be either busy with other people or trying to capture it through a lens. Yeah. That's just was my encouragement for my own family and for us. I love that. I think it's so clever. Be the granny. Be the granny. (laughs) Um, you know what, guys, I just wanted to, to wrap this up by saying this and I'm going to get Wayne and um, Brad pray for us. But, um, you know, when we look to the word of God, we see, a lot of advice around issues pertaining to relationship, around sexual, sexual stuff, around greed. There's a lot of counsel, but, but it wasn't a generation when there were smartphones. So there isn't a lot of counsel around how do you navigate um, technology with a godliness. And I want to keep two things in mind. We say the two greatest commandments are we love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And my, my charge to us is if we are not seeing those two operating because of our devices, we need to raise the flag. We need to say, actually, maybe we're going like the Israelites into that place of slavery in Egypt, and we are becoming a slave to a particular system and a particular way of being, and it's stealing our worship of our, of our God. So um, maybe just on that note, we can just pray to end off. But Christy, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for everything that you've shared with us. Um, please take a look at Christy's book and um, at the digital contract, Did You Want That? But Wayne, could you just pray for us as we, as we wrap? Awesome. Thanks so much. Come and stand to our feet, church. Um, I think, yeah, Brad, welcome. Come, come join me up here. Um, I want to pray this, this morning in the area of, um, you know, just in all the research we've been doing, our, our devices are hitting our brains in the same way that many hardcore drugs are actually hitting our brains. So we, we would often say, you know, cocaine is wrong, heroin is wrong, let's not do that. But sitting on your phone for like three hours a day is not wrong. But when scientists are looking at what's happening to the brain after three hours of being on social media and somebody who's actually just did cocaine or heroin, they're seeing the same results on the brain. The same damage is happening. And, um, and, and so I, I think, you know, so technology has come into our world so fast and it's come with so much stuff and a lot of us have been caught unawares and a lot of us don't even know it, but we're actually severely de- addicted to this stuff. And there was just a scripture on my heart this morning, um, from Jeremiah chapter two, where it says that, um, my people have dug up, uh, created their own wells that, that are broken and don't satisfy them. When I, the Lord, am the living water. And I think that's a scripture that really describes our generation so well. We've, we're trying to find satisfaction in this world and in what the world has to offer. And the world is coming at us through media and so much is available on there. 
Um, but what really satisfies is the Lord. And this thing has replaced God in our lives in such a massive way. Um, and, and I want to pray this morning for, for those of us who feel trapped by this thing. Like you would be honest enough to admit, you know what? I'm not the master here that, uh, I feel a little bit like a slave here. I feel like this thing has become too important to me and, and too much in my life. And, I really believe, you know, the, this thing hits us on a physical level, physiology, psychology, but also on a spiritual level. You know, I really see this plan of the enemy to keep us distracted, to keep us hooked, to keep us addicted, to keep us, you know, crowded with so much. We can't hear God. We can't be patient. We can't build real relationships. We can't, you know, this wars against so much of the life that God has for us. And so this, this, I see this as a spiritual thing as well. And so, what I want to start this morning is just, I want to pray for a spiritual breakthrough. That for those of us who are just too attached, that we're going to find just as we leave here this morning, a, a breakthrough and a freedom to, to put this thing down or to go and start the conversation and address every other issue that we need to. So can we, can we do that this morning? I'm not going to call people for it. We're just going to pray as a family, okay? And uh, let's, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes and and, uh, and let's just maybe lift our hands up to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for the, for the chat that we've had this morning. We thank you for the information that's come, Lord. And, and we know this is really of you and for us, Lord. And, um, and we've all been warned and we've all been encouraged and we've all give, got some great advice this morning. But Father, we want to pray specifically for those amongst us this morning who are struggling and are are, and are bound in this thing, Lord, that, that are addicted in some way to their device or what the, the things that are coming through the device. Um, and, and so, Father, we, we want to lift up the congregation before you and for those who are struggling this morning, Lord, and we ask right now for grace from heaven to come. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Come on, just be bold and lift your hands, and we're going to pray freedom for you this morning. Father, we pray freedom over this congregation this morning. Lord, we pray for a release this morning. Lord, we trust you right now just to come. Lord, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. So in the name of Jesus, in the name that is above every other name, we speak freedom over every life, over every circumstance. We thank you, Father God, for a breakthrough today. Lord God, we thank you for a setting free today. Lord, we thank you for a release today. Lord, for those who are bound, who are in chains around this thing, Father God, we thank you that you break those chains this morning, Lord, and we walk out of here free and new, Lord God, able to live the life that you've called us to live. Lord, where the enemy has come in like a flood, Lord, I thank you that right now you're raising a standard in every heart. You're increasing willpower. You're increasing wisdom, Father God. You're increasing accountability, Father God. You're increasing strategy and and and, and, and strength, Lord, of heart, Father. For those who are feeble and feel overwhelmed, Father, now we thank you for a strengthening to come. Every heart to be encouraged, Lord God, that freedom is here, Lord. It's in you and it starts with you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are love. Thank you that love is long-suffering, it's patient, 
It's kind. It's serving. It's self-giving. It's not self-seeking. It holds no shame and guilt. But it brings security, certainty, and it builds us up. I thank you for building us up this morning, Lord God. That where we are found to be wanting in our lives, Lord God, you create opportunity for us to run to you with courage, Lord God. You're welcoming us. You're calling us to you because you are the solution. And love casts out all fear. And so, Father, as we come to you this morning, we do not have to be fearful about the future, but you've equipped us for the future. And it begins with you. Fill us with your love, Lord, that we can offer love to those who are found wanting, who are found to be in places where they don't know how to navigate, where they found like they are trapped or there's a stronghold or they are slaves to devices. Father, that because you've given it to us, we can give it away so freely. Father, we thank you that your love will cast out fear this morning. The fear of the unknown, the fear, Lord God, for those who are raising children and they are under-equipped or they feel like they're not old enough, Lord God. Where there are households, Lord, where there seems to be a bit of confusion, Lord, loves bring clarity, loves bring certainty and understanding and acceptance. We thank you for strengthening us today, Lord God, in your love. It's all about you, Lord God. So as you fill us, Lord God, I thank you that we will be able to step forward into community to voice, Lord God, to call out for help, to cry, to seek what you have given us, Lord God. In the richness of your blessings, Lord, and the people that are around us, I pray for open conversations. I pray for vulnerability to come in love, Lord God, because love casts out shame. But we can be vulnerable with you. We can be vulnerable with one another, and we can be open and honest, Lord God. And then we can build others up, and we can change our households. First, Lord, change our hearts, change our minds. Change our households, Lord God, in your love. Change our neighbors in your love. Change the city in your love, Lord God. Father, thank you that we are being called to reign in this area. We are being called, Lord God, to, to set the standard according to your plan. And your plan is love. Love never fails, Lord God. And I thank you that today, Lord God, you are investing your love in our hearts that we are able to walk this thing out. Thank you for your courage this morning, Jesus. You've been good to us, Lord.